Welcome to the National Community Church Podcast. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend's message with you. You can find us on national.cc or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Good morning, NCC. How are you guys? Good to be with you, man. What an honor. You know, you get invited to come and and you're, you're expected to come and bless the congregation with your gift and with a word. And what are we, 20 minutes in, and I think I'm more blessed than any of you are going to be today. Uh, what a week, man, just to hear about the, the baptisms and students being on mission and children dedicated. Uh, the Lord is in this place, and it is a privilege to be here. Uh, great honor. Uh, thank you to Pastor Mark. You guys know. Do you guys love Pastor Mark and his team? You guys know how much they are doing for this congregation. You know how much they're doing in this community, but, but Mark just gave you a small glimpse, like what they're doing, what his team is doing for the kingdom is so much bigger than just DC. And so me and, and my, my church are on the Eastern Shore, we are just a small portion of, of Mark's global influence. And so grateful for him and Pastor Nina and Pastor Joel and the whole team. Just, it is exciting to be here. Uh, one of the, the greatest things that you can have as a preacher is a hungry congregation. And so when Mark told me to come, you know, when he invited me to come, he said that my people love the word. Was he telling the truth? Was he for real? All right, and so we're gonna open up our Bibles. Why don't you turn with me to Mark chapter eight. This is the eighth installment of your guys' journey through this gospel. And as you turn to Mark chapter eight, I'm just curious, how many of you are familiar with the sensation known as deja vu? Anyone? How many of you are familiar with a sensation called deja vu? All right. So fun fact, I don't know if this is a medical thing. I don't know if this is my upbringing, but I feel like I suffer from deja vu way more than the average person. I don't know what it is, but I just find myself often in these situations where I'm going, deja vu. In French, literally it means already seen This is a sensation that you've been here before that the moment you're experiencing in the present has already happened in the past. Anybody struggle with deja vu? Right, you got me. So so I've researched this, right? I'm like, I got to figure out what's wrong with me up here, right? So I got a sickness or something. So I researched what are all the reasons for deja vu? Like what is happening to me when I experience this? And so I'll share with you some of these reasons. Maybe, Maybe you've heard of this. When people say when you're experiencing deja vu, it's because you've dreamt this moment before. Right. You ever hear that one? Yeah. You're like, man, I think I dreamt this. And then somebody goes, well, what happened next? Well, that happened next. You said that exactly. And it's just, man, I can't get out of the dream. Right? You tell some people you're having deja vu and they give you, hey, that's called a God wink. When you have deja vu, that's God's way of telling you you're right where you're supposed to be. Have you heard that one? I've heard that one. Here's a different, a different one. Uh, a more scientific approach, some people think deja vu is that when the neurons in your brain, instead of firing, instead of logging this moment in your short-term memory where it belongs, it accidentally fires it and and stores it in your long-term memory. So that even as this moment is happening, you're like, I feel like this is a long memory. Have you heard that one? All right, that was too scientific. I'll move on, right? Uh, How many parents, parents with little children? Parents of little children, real life, I see you. You know exactly what deja vu is. Deja vu is simply your little kids gaslighting you on the regular. Those tiny terrorists in your house make you think you're going crazy, and then you combine that with sleep deprivation, and you're just like, I swear I've been here before. And they're just smiling at you, right? 
Ask Keanu Reeves what deja vu is. You know what he'll tell you? It's a glitch in the matrix, right? They're watching you people. And so when you feel like you've been here before, it's just a glitch in the matrix. How many of you know what deja vu is? Friends, today we are going to experience deja vu in a desolate place. We are going to come alongside of the disciples and they are going to experience deja vu in a desolate place. They're going to think, have I not been here before? Have we not seen this? Was this not a few chapters ago? But friends, they're going to experience deja vu, not because they've dreamt it, not because their neurons are misfiring, not because there's a glitch in the matrix. They and we are going to experience deja vu because this is exactly where Jesus wants us. They're going to experience deja vu on purpose because Jesus wants to teach them something. And Jesus wants to teach you something this morning. And so Jesus, he, he invites his disciples. I, I call it their immersive internship. And they're on this three-year immersive internship. And he calls them to himself and he says, grab your intern notebooks, grab a pen because I'm going to teach you something this morning. And so friends, Jesus wants to teach you something this morning. So I'm going to invite you, grab your pens. Grab your intern notebooks, put on your your pupil hats, and let's get ready because what Jesus wants to show you today will change your life. Can I show it to you for a few moments? Are you guys ready for this? All right, here we go. Let me read the text. I'm going to read all 10 verses, and then we're going to dive in. This is God's word for NCC this morning. Starts in verse 1. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves. And having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over. Seven baskets full and they were about 4,000 people and he sent them away and immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. Lord, would you open our eyes this morning to behold beautiful things from your word. Reveal to us the beauty of Jesus. Open our eyes to behold his glory and may we leave here differently, Father, as a result of what we see. We pray all of this in the matchless name of Jesus. And his church said, amen. 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 So here we go, friends. Deja vu in a desolate place. Have we not seen this before? How many of you have heard of the feeding of 5,000? Yeah, yeah, we know that story. But but if you look, that that story happened two chapters ago. And so this is not the feeding of the 5,000. This is the feeding of the 4,000. And there are just enough differences to alert us that, man, this feels like deja vu. This feels like we already saw this. This feels like this is a repeat. But there are just enough differences to alert us. This is a different episode. 
This is a different story. This is a different miracle. And wait for it. We're going to see this is in a different country. And so it feels the same, but it's different. And yet Mark, he, he gives such painstaking detail. He calls the details to the forefront of our minds in such a way that it leaves us going, wait a minute. This is not just similar. It's like almost the exact same situation. Like if you looked in your Bibles across the page at chapter 6 there, if you can have them both side by side. I mean, we got, we got great crowds. We've seen that before. Thousands of people. They're in a desolate place. They're in the wilderness. They've been with Jesus, listening to his teaching. They're hungry. Jesus got bread. He's got fish. He breaks it. He hands it out leftovers. Wait a minute. This feels like the exact same situation. But what catches my attention is not how similar these situations are. What catches my attention is how little the disciples seem to notice. Did you guys hear their question? They got all of these markers, all of these things that feel like chapter 6, and yet what's their question? How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? (laughs) I mean, Jesus, let's be real here, we got thousands of people. We only got bread, we got some fish. I mean, like who in the world could possibly feed thousands of people? With nothing. And I'm not trying to be judgmental, folks, but come on. They genuinely don't seem to realize that they have been in this exact situation before. Does that sound like anybody you know? Have you ever asked questions that if other people were to see you, they go, for real? (laughs) Is your memory that bad? I mean, they don't seem to realize it. They said, how can anyone possibly satisfy them. How many of you would say you have a good memory? Good memory? Okay. How many of you would say, man, my memory's so bad, I don't even remember the question. Anybody? (laughs) Hey, all right, so you get it, right? So we understand. We understand. Like, we can be forgetful. Like, I can be forgetful. I'm not trying to be judgmental, but man, come on. For real. Don't they remember? There was 12 baskets left over. They had souvenirs. They had doggy bags for days. And yet they're saying, like, how how are we going to do this? This shocking question. Their question, friends, is not reflective of their memory. It's reflective of their understanding. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. Their question is not revealing a shoddy memory. It's exposing an incomplete understanding. These people don't fully understand who it is that they're rolling with. These people have yet to fully grasp. They have yet to fully comprehend who it is that they are following. And Jesus, he is about to entrust this movement to these men. And yet they still don't get it. And here's my favorite part. Jesus already knows. Jesus knows that they don't get it. He knows that their understanding is incomplete. And so he gets things started here this morning by calling a huddle. And he goes, all right, time out. T, 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 blows the whistle. Bring it in, disciples, come on in. And he calls a huddle. He brings them to himself. And we realize here that Jesus has provoked their question. 
Jesus has set them up. He has set up this situation. He has brought their question and their incomplete comprehension to the surface. Why? Because he wants to show them who he is. He has provoked their question. He has put them in a situation that exposes their lack of understanding. Not to shame them. Not to look down at them. Not to roll his eyes at these people, right? How many times you you just, if you were Jesus, you go, man, I would redraft all 12. (laughs) Like total rebuild. You know what I mean? Like we're starting over. We're making some trades. I mean, man, we're getting rid of Judas while we still got time. But he calls them to himself because he wants to teach them. He calls them to himself because he wants to open their eyes. He wants to lift the veil. He wants to explode in their hearts the truth of who it is that they are walking with. Friends, he's about to increase their understanding, and they have just stepped into an interactive classroom. And class is in session. Church, this morning, I'm here to tell you that Jesus wants to call you to himself. Jesus knows that your comprehension is incomplete and he doesn't do it to offend you. He doesn't do it to shame you. He does it to teach you. Friends, I don't know how long you've been in church. I don't know if you grew up in Sunday school. I don't know what you would get on a theology quiz. But the reality is the picture of Jesus that we have in our heart, the picture that we have internalized, the picture from which we live and move and do all of our being is incomplete and woefully inadequate compared to the glory of Jesus Christ. And it will be until the day you die and you see him in his perfect glory. You don't know Jesus the way you think you know Jesus. Just when you think you've mastered it, just when you think you've gotten all the answers, just when you think, oh yeah, it's just my boy, no, 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 friends. You have yet to scratch the surface. And Jesus' response is, come to me. Come and be with me. And so he calls a huddle. He brings them to himself. And so the question for you this morning, friends, is will you come with the posture of a pupil? Will you enter into the huddle thinking that this is just another lecture? Hey, nice speech, Sam. Nice lecture. This is just a theology TED talk. No, no, no. Do you think that this is just a talk? Or do you realize that every time this book is open, Jesus comes forward and he says, let's talk. This is the living God speaking through his word and you have an opportunity this morning to come near. Do you expect it? Is there anticipation in this room that as we open this book, we hear his voice? He says he calls the disciples to himself. And Jesus is going to show them two things, all right? Tells them to get out their intern notebooks. He says, grab a pen. And two things that he's going to teach them this morning. Two lessons that the disciples, they will never forget from Mark chapter 8. Two lessons that I pray you will never forget from Mark chapter 8. Jesus wants to show them the heart of the shepherd and the reach of the shepherd. Two things that Jesus is going to do in this interactive classroom today. He's going to show them the heart of the shepherd and the reach of the shepherd. You guys ready? Just do this, just for a few moments here, okay? Two things. He calls his disciples to himself, and the first thing he says to them, I have compassion on the crowd. I have compassion on the crowd. Jesus sees them, 
They're not faceless masses of humanity. These are not just the mob. He sees them. And with a tremendous level of thoughtfulness, Jesus is tuned in to their needs. Jesus is concerned. He starts to explain it to the disciples. And he goes, yo, listen, they've been out here for a long time. Three days is a long time to not have a good meal. Some of them have come from far away. And so here's the deal. If I send them away, they will faint. He sees it. Jesus gets it. And what does he say to them? He doesn't just see their needs. He is moved to compassion. And his compassion moves him to action. Hey, hey. His compassion moves him to action. And so he says, I will not send them away hungry. That's not how I roll. When people come to Jesus, they don't leave hungry. When people come into his presence, they're not going to leave with a good luck. He says, I cannot send them away hungry. I'm not going to do that. And so his disciples, come on, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in. What'd you pack for lunch? What'd you got in your lunch pail? Uh, We got like seven loaves, which cracks me up because there's 12 disciples. Which means five of them were slacking. You know who you are, right? Man, you the disciple who's like, I brought two loaves because I know Peter was going to forget. Between the 12 of them, they got seven loaves. Don't put them on snack duty for your field trip, right? And Jesus, he goes, that'll do. That'll do. Do you see Jesus? He sees these needy people. And he doesn't just go, noted. He feels a sense of responsibility for them. Jesus sees needy people. And other people point and they go, not my problem. Other people will point and go, that's not my issue. Send them away. Good luck with that. Or blessings in the Lord. Man, other people point and they go, not my problem. And Jesus steps up and he goes, those are my people. He feels a sense of responsibility. Friends, Jesus is never a callous observer of your pain. Have you ever felt unseen? Ever felt uncared for? Do you know what it's like to be the needy person? We all love the song, Lean On Me, but we want to be the one singing Lean On Me, right? Nobody wants to be the leaner on her. We know what it's like to be needy. We know what it's like to be that guy. We know what it's like when it's like, oh, I hate to ask. And yet we see that Jesus here, he feels your anguish. Jesus is not put off by your need. He's not keeping score of like, that's the third time, brother. He sees your need and his heart is moved to compassion. Somebody needs to hear this morning that Jesus is never too, be, never too busy to be bothered by you. Jesus is never put off by your neediness. It's quite the opposite. He's attracted to it. There is something deeply in the heart of Christ that when he sees need, when he hears the simple words uttered, I need help, whoosh. He goes, this is where I shine. This is good news for needy people, friends. He's not ignorant of your needs. He cares. He concerns himself. When people point at you and say, not my problem, Jesus says, those are my people. And so he calls the crowd. And what does he do? He says, how many loaves do you have? Seven. That'll do. And he directs the crowd 
to sit down on the ground. Let's rest. Take a minute, sit sit down. He makes them lie down in green pastures. He sits them down in groups of 50 and hundreds. He sits them on the ground. He puts them in a posture to receive. I don't need anything from you right now. There is nothing you crowd can give me, Jesus. Sit down. I got it. So he sits them down and he takes their loaves. And he just gives thanks and he breaks it. He puts it back in the disciples' hands. And it says that they all had a Costco-sized sample. No, it doesn't say that. He says, and he gave them all just a little appetizer to tide them over until they can get home and make their own food, right? No, it doesn't say that. It says, how much did they eat? Until they were satisfied. These people ate so much that they had the itis. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's that Thanksgiving meal, and you ate so much, and you just, and you just, right? You eat so much, and you go, man, I am never eating again. We've all been there. That's how much they ate. They were satisfied. They were satiated. And so he's cutting up the breadsticks out there. It's like Olive Garden. When you're here, you're family, unlimited. Everybody's eating breadsticks. And Jesus, the great dietitian, he goes, yo, we need some protein, and so he goes, do you guys have any fish? You need some omegas, you know, some fatty, whatever, you know. And, and they go, we have a few loaves. And what does he do? He breaks it. He lifts his eyes. He thanks the Lord. And he starts handing out fish sticks. He is aware of their needs, friends. And so I want you to imagine that you're out here in the wilderness. You're wandering, right? And so you, you crest the first hill. And as you approach over the hill, you see a shepherd with 12 sheep. Hey, shepherd, doing his thing. Cool. All right, cool. Shepherd's out here doing their thing. Goes over the second hill, and you see another shepherd, this time with hundreds of sheep. And you're like, wow, all right, cool. He's got a little enterprise going on. And then you crest the third hill, and you see another shepherd with thousands of, wait, are those people? Is that shepherd feeding humans? So you go home, and you're sitting at dinner, and and your spouse says, well, how was your day wandering in the wilderness? You say, it was great. I saw three shepherds today. But it was kind of bizarre because the third shepherd, he was shepherding people. Friends, Jesus came as a shepherd. And in this scene, we see our first lesson. The heart of the shepherd cares for his sheep. The heart of the shepherd cares. Cares. Not as aware of not as noted, not taking, he cares for the sheep. How many shepherd would let his sheep wander away hungry? And so Jesus, his heart is filled with care, concern, and compassion. And as he hands out those, as the disciples hand out the breadsticks, as they're handing out the fish sticks, we realize here a beautiful image that what we are witnessing over that third hill is the shepherd of Psalm 23. We are witnessing right here the one about whom David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the waters. He restores, he satisfies my soul. Do you get it, friends? Who's the shepherd in Psalm 23? Who's my shepherd? The the Lord is my shepherd, capital L-O-R-D. Yahweh is my shepherd. And what we see here, though, 
is that God himself in flesh has come to feed his sheep. And all who come to this shepherd, Jesus, God himself, shall not want, shall not hunger. You will be satisfied. Does anybody need a shepherd this morning? Does anybody's soul need satisfying? Does your soul need refreshing? Do you need to be just set down and put in a posture, not of striving, but of receiving? (sighs) The heart of the shepherd cares for his sheep. Class is in session, friends. Write that down. The heart of the shepherd cares for his sheep. And so he dismisses them, and it says here that they get into the boat and I just imagine these dudes, right? They're sitting there and they're comparing notes. Like, what did you get for the third blank? I don't know. And they're, and they're taking notes. Like, what did you learn? And they're, and they're doing this thing. And they go, Jesus, why this lesson? What? As they're going over the boat, why, why did you want us to know that one? Why was that one worth repeating? Why did we have to hear that lesson two times? And here's the reason, friends. Because these are the people that Jesus is going to entrust his sheep to. And so he's training them how to watch over the flock. He says, this is a lesson that bears repeating. I have compassion on the sheep. Lead like me. The church needs compassionate shepherds. God's people need patient leaders, long-suffering leaders. And so they're getting this lesson and they're writing it down. And I imagine Andrew, he's like looking off of Peter's paper and, and he goes, oh, I didn't catch that part of the lecture. Oh, I didn't notice that. And he goes, you didn't notice it? We started with how many loaves? Who knows? Seven. The answer is always in the text. Trick question. Just look down. You're like, I don't remember. Just right there. Boom. Seven loaves. Okay. And how many baskets did they leave with? It says they had seven baskets full. They started with seven loaves. They now have seven baskets full. Why? Because they're learning that when you hand something to Jesus, they're learning that no matter how small your supply is, no matter how small your provision is, when you hand it to Jesus, when you put it in his hands, it will be exponentially more than what you started with. These disciples are going to be here long after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension. And so they need to remember that the source of their ministrations wasn't what they brought to the table. It's what they receive from the Lord. Seven loaves in Jesus' hands is enough. Leaders, when those who lead God's people rely on God's provision, they will accomplish exponentially more toward God's purposes. I said, classes in session, friends. Let's write this down. When those who lead God's people rely on God's provision, they will accomplish exponentially more toward God's purposes. Because the heart of the shepherd cares for the sheep. One more lesson here. One more lesson here that we glean. We don't only see the heart of the shepherd. We see the reach of the shepherd. What are the first three words of this chapter? The answer's in the text. Just look. What are the first three words of chapter 8? Three words there. It says this. In those days. What days? Wednesday? Sunday? No, no. In those days. Where are we in the story? Context, context, context. Just go back a few verses and you realize that in chapter 7, Jesus has left the building. 
Jesus is no longer in, Can- I mean, in Israel, all right? He has left and he went up out of the, uh, the region of Israel and Jesus is now far from home among a people who are far from God. I don't know if you realize this, friends, but in those days, all of Jesus' ministry, do you know that it really all happened just within a few square miles, right? Like Israel or uh, uh, Jerusalem, the capital is down here in the orange off the screen. Jesus was rolling right here in Galilee. Once or twice a year, he would go down to Jerusalem, have a little tussle with the Pharisees, right, because they're in the capital, come back up. But this is where Jesus rolled. But in chapter 7, he goes up to Tyre and Sidon. He does this little horseshoe, and it says in chapter 7, verse 31, that he's now in the Decapolis. In those days, when Jesus was far from home, in those days, when he was hanging out with pagans, in those days, when he was with the Gentiles, in those days, when he was with people who had no idea about the promises of God, when he was with those people who would never pass a theology exam, when he was with those people that other people look at and they go, those people? In those days... We've seen him feed the 5,000, and we thought this was a repeat. But friends, here's the point. Jesus fed the 5,000 in Israel. That was a different country, let alone a different miracle. Jesus has fed the 5,000 for sure, but that was in Israel. That was with God's covenant people. That was with his flock. But Jesus is far from home. And now the light bulbs should be going off, friends. You should be realizing the significance of the repetition of this miracle. Those who are far from God have just experienced the shepherd of Psalm 23. Those people outside of Israel, those people who don't own an Old Testament, those people who can't even pronounce the word Torah are out here. And they just got to see firthand. The shepherd of Psalm 23. Even Gentile pagans are being fed as if they were a part of the flock. And as we watch them eat, as we watch them be satisfied, we realize that the shepherd's compassion reaches those far from God. The shepherd's compassion reaches those far from God. Because of what Jesus is doing, because of who Jesus is, even those people get to experience, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even people as far from deserving as possible get to experience the compassion of the shepherd and invited into the fold of God. Because of Jesus, it will be said, even of Gentiles in pagan country, they ate and they were satisfied. Friends, not only is he a compassionate shepherd, but his compassion reaches further than you can even imagine. All who come to him, regardless of their background, regardless of their status, regardless of their resume, regardless of their mistakes, regardless of the labels that are put on their soul, they can come to him and they will not be sent away hungry. They will be satisfied and experience the care of this shepherd. The shepherd's compassion reaches those, even those far from God. So the disciples, they're taking notes. They're getting cramps in their hands because Jesus is dropping wisdom bombs. And they're like, Jesus, why this lesson? Will this be on the final? Like if I had to memorize, 
one of these two lessons. Which one, the heart or the reed, which one should I memorize? And Jesus says, this will absolutely be on the final. Because I'm going to be sending you to people who are far from God. The disciples, you need to know this lesson. You need to see the reach of my compassion because your ministry will start in Israel, but it will not end in Israel. And as they go to the uttermost parts of the world, they need to understand that the Lord has many sheep, even among the pagans. They need to have the confidence that as they go, even into those neighborhoods, even into those people, even into that part of the world, they need to have the confidence that Jesus has sheep even there. Because the reach, the shepherd's compassion reaches those far from God. We need to know this, friends. NCC, you need to know this. Because Jesus will be sending you not just to the furthest corners of the globe, but to the furthest corners of the social stratosphere. You may never go to the corners of the globe, but you may just live next to the furthest reaches of society. You may just sit in a cubicle next to the person who's most despised in his community. You just may be a neighbor with someone that the world looks down on and says, those people? You think you're too far? You think you're too far? Friends, if you're that kind of person that other people go, them? Just know that Jesus looks at you and he says, mine. Other people look at you and say, them? For real? And Jesus looks at you and says, mine. If you think you're too far, if you feel like you're an outsider to God's promises, look at Jesus and see the reach of his compassion. As far as you are, his compassion reaches further. As low as you feel, I assure you, his fountain of mercy is deeper. As great as your sin is, his grace is greater. Come to the shepherd. And may it be said of you, he was satisfied. May it be said of you, she was satisfied. May it be said of a people that were far from God, we came to Jesus and he didn't send us away hungry. Come to the shepherd. Come to the shepherd. And so two lessons in your intern notebooks this morning, friends. The heart of the shepherd and the reach of the shepherd. And so number one, the heart. Where does it hurt? Where does it hurt right now? You know what I'm talking about. Where are you most keenly aware of the depth of your need? Is it a relational pain? Is it a mistake? Is it a provision problem? Here's my question for you. Do you believe that Jesus cares? Do you, honestly? Now, I'm not asking you what the correct answer is. I know we Jesus, no, no. I'm not asking you what theology answers. I'm saying, like, honestly, like, for real. Do you honestly believe that the heart of your shepherd not only sees you, but is so tuned in and moved to compassion? If you don't, would you allow Jesus to call you to himself and to educate you this morning? Come near to the shepherd. Come to the shepherd. And in the moments that you doubt that he cares, in the moments where you truly do wonder, does he, I mean, like for real, me though? Like, does he really care about me? Friends, I have an even greater story than the feeding of the 5,000. I have an even greater story than the feeding of the 4,000. How about this? How about Jesus leaving heaven, coming to earth, 
dying on a cross, motivated singly by his motivation that you need him. The incarnation is the greatest demonstration of his compassion. Not to feed you with breadsticks, but to save you from spiritual death. Come to the shepherd who's come for you. And then the second part was his reach. I don't know your story. I don't know where you're at, but I can tell you you're not too far. And I know what thoughts go through your head because I have those thoughts. I I know the truth, but like, you don't know my story. I I know it, but I don't, ah, just, I'm different. You're not. His reach extends further. Friends, God didn't just send you an invitation. Hey, I'm here if you need me. God didn't send an email invite to the Decapolis. He sent his son. And so in the moments where you think you're too far, realize this, he's not simply inviting you, he's pursuing you. He comes to the people who are far from God. He comes into your backyard. He moved into your neighborhood. He bought a house on your street. He lives down the hall to be with you. And so friends, come to the shepherd because he in his compassion and mercy has already come for you. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, Father. Thank you for showing us who Jesus is. I pray that you would give us faith to believe it. Pray that you would give us courage to discard our old tiny images of Jesus for this true, round, vibrant, beautiful image of the glory of God, which is the face of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we behold you, transform us. Convince us that you are the shepherd who cares and you are the shepherd who reaches us no matter how far we are. Your compassion reaches further. We love you, Father. We give you all the glory. May Jesus be made much of. We pray this in his name. And the church said, amen.